We're going to start through, start in the book of Jonah and go through it. It's going to take us four weeks. So I'm going to take a week per chapter. It's a short, it's a short book. And it's only that the first chapter has 17 verses and then second chapter has 10, 11 verses and, and the, and so on and so forth. So it's not really a very long book, but there are really some profound, uh, uh, lessons and messages through this book of Jonah, through this story, this narrative about the life of Jonah. And so I'm calling this message this morning, God's call and our obedience, God's call and our obedience. So before We get into the introduction of this book and we get into the message. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you this morning for the beginning of a new journey through a book of the Bible, through the book of Jonah. God, what a privilege it is that we have to be able to walk through Scripture, verse by verse, word by word, learning what it is that you have said and and what you mean by what you say and how that, that applies to our life and how... How your word is, is, is meant to shape the way in which we think and the way in which we live. God, I pray that our hearts would be receptive. Our minds would be alert and that we would be ready to receive what it is that you have to say to us through your word here today. God, I pray that you would help me to open my mouth to preach your word and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the book of Jonah is one of the minor prophets in If you ever heard that term, minor prophet, you may think, well, that must mean that it's a small message or it's an insignificant message. That's really not what it means. It's a minor prophet because it's a small book. And so you have the minor prophets and the major prophets. The major prophets are books from prophets in the Old Testament that are larger, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah. But you have the minor prophets, they're smaller books, and All the prophets, all the Old Testament prophets, when they have their books written, most of them, the majority of them, are are all, the purpose of their books are to, to write down the word that the Lord has spoken to them, to the people that God has called them to, primarily the, the nation of Israel. And so the bulk of all of the books are centered around speaking and writing down what God is saying. Well... Jonah, his book, is not about that at all. It's a a story. It's a narrative. Jonah's book is about him. Jonah's book is about his life, and it's actually only a a, a small portion of his life. The book of Jonah is, is about one narrative, one story in his life about how God called him to go to a specific people in a specific city and give a specific message to that people. It was a, it was a call for him to go and preach repentance to the city of Nineveh. And so this story written down in four chapters is about that. It's about that. It's about that call. It's about God calling Jonah for that specific call. And it's really not, there's really not a, a whole lot. There is really not a whole lot about the message that is given. Actually, when Jonah gets to Nineveh, it's really just a short little message that he shares. It's not very long. He doesn't really share much. He just basically says, you need to turn. You need to repent because judgment is coming. And so he doesn't really have a lot of details there. This is a story about Jonah. And it's a story that we're going to look through in four weeks, but there's a lot that we're going to learn about ourselves. As we study the book of Jonah. And there's a lot we're going to learn, obviously, about Jonah. But we're going to learn about ourselves and how we view God. And how we view his call on our life. About how we view his message. And ultimately about how we view God. And so it's important we're going to learn about ourselves. But we're going to learn about God. Who is God? What does he require of us? What is he calling us to do? And then also, who is God? And, 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 and what, what do we learn about his heart? 
and his compassion and his desire to see people repent. And so this is what we're going to see. It's a beautiful story. And, and really, uh, this book of Jonah, uh, it's depicted in a lot of kids' stories, right? Who's seen the Veggie Tales story of Jonah? You've seen that? Any, I mean, if you have children or if you're younger here, you grew up watching Veggie Tales, or, or if you're a parent of little children, you've heard that story and, and, and you've seen it in Veggie Tales or you've seen it in other cartoons and, and they kind of give the kid-friendly version. Because the story of Jonah is really not a kid-friendly version. There's some really intense things going on in the book of Jonah. And we're going to really look at that. And it's a really powerful story with powerful messages and powerful truths that apply to our life. That's what's so powerful about the Bible. It's not just an ancient book that, that really is something we can't understand, can't know anything about, and doesn't apply to our life. It's a book that is divinely inspired by God. And that is profitable for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness. And, and, and it teaches us, God's word teaches us how we're to live in this life. And this is what we're going to look at. This is what the book of Jonah is going to do for us. So just a little background. Jonah, really, we don't really see a lot of his ministry in scripture, just as I told you. We really only get to see one, uh, one assignment that he was given. And we see it as we're going to go through this study. But he was called primarily to the northern tribes of Israel. To, to Judah, he was called there to, to, to be a, a primary prophet to them, but we don't see that prophecy. We don't see how he spoke to Israel. We really only see how he spoke to a pagan nation, a pagan city called Nineveh. And so according to Second Kings chapter 14, Jonah came from Gath-Hefer, which is near Nazareth, and, and, and he, he really isn't remembered for his message to Israel. He's remembered for his message to a pagan nation, and ultimately he's remembered for doing what? For running, from running from God's call. He's remembered for running from God's call. And it's interesting, the city that he's called to, the city that God calls Jonah to go to is, is the capital of Assyria. It's the capital of Assyria, which would be uh, modern day Iraq. It's in the Middle East. And, and the capital of Assyria in that day was Nineveh. And so he is called to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh was a wicked city. Nineveh was a wicked city. If you could think of, of a city and a people group that you would consider to be extremely wicked, you could amp that up times 10. And this is what Nineveh was. And so God called Jonah to go to that city and to preach repentance to that city. And you know, if, if God calls you to preach repentance to somebody, do you believe that his desire is that they would repent? Jonah didn't understand that. Jonah didn't want to go. So here's why Jonah didn't want to go. Look at what the prophet Nahum said about the city of Nineveh. So this is Nahum chapter 3, the first four verses, and this is called Woe to Nineveh. This is a description of what Nineveh was like. Listen to this. Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder. No end to the prey. The crack of the whip, the rumble of the wheel, galloping horse and bounding chariot, Horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, host of slain, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end. They stumble over the bodies, and all for the countless whorings of the prostitute, graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and peoples with her charms. This was Nineveh. You see that description there? Look, look at that. It's describing this scene, the crack of the whip, 
This is the Ninevites. They're ready. It's a bloody city. They're ready for war. They're ready for battle. They're ready to destroy their enemies. The crack of the whip, the rumble of the wheel, the the chariot is moving because the horses are galloping. The horsemen are charging, flashing the sword and the glittering of the spear. And what happens? Host of slain. Heaps of corpses. Dead bodies without end. So many dead bodies. So much blood. They stumble over the bodies. Jonah didn't want to go. Would you want to go? Right? So, so here, here, here's where I think there's a mixture of things going on in Jonah's life. I think Jonah was scared for his life. He was a Jew. He was an enemy. The, the Assyrians were the arch enemies of the people of Israel. And eventually Assyria was going to overthrow Israel. And so, so, so these were pagan people. But, but not only were they pagan people, but, but, but they were evil people as we read the description in the prophet Nahum. And so I believe that, that because of their reputation, because of the reputation of the Ninevites, I think a part of the reason Jonah didn't want to go was because he was scared for his life because he was a Jew. It'd be like you as an American, God says to you today, go to Iran and preach repentance. What are they shouting in the streets in Iran after we killed their general? Death to America. Do you want to go to Iran? I think it's a very similar thing. But I think it's also this. Do we believe that the Iranians need to repent? Those that don't know Christ? Do we believe that the gospel is for them? Jonah struggled. I believe Jonah struggled to believe that the gospel could be for such wicked people. How can the gospel be for somebody that's that, that is that wicked? How can the gospel be for someone that is, that, that is not a part of the chosen people of the nation of Israel? They are outside of God's covenant. And so I believe it was two things going on in Jonah's life. He was scared for his life, but he also looked at the Ninevites and he despised them because of their evil. He despised them because of, of, their, of their approach to God and how they rejected the one true God. So I believe that it was fear, but I believe that it was racism. I believe that it was fear and I believe that it was prejudice. He didn't want to go because he was scared and he didn't want to go because he didn't want them to repent. And we're going to see this as we go through this story. God calls Jonah to go, though. And he calls him to go to the very heart of Assyria to warn them of impending judgment. Jonah does not want to answer God's call to go. He doesn't want to obey. Have you ever, have you ever been there? God tells you to do something and you don't want to obey? Oh, absolutely, all of us. So as we go through this book over the next four weeks, we're, as I said earlier, we're going to learn a lot about God. We're going to learn a lot about Jonah. And we're going to learn a lot about us and our hearts. And so specifically, we're t- 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 today, this morning, we're only going to look at chapter 1. And in this chapter, I see four truths about God's call and our decision to either obey or disobey. And so that's what we're going to unpack here this morning through the first chapter. God calls and we are responsible to obey. And this is what we see. So four things. Firstly, this first lesson that we see as we're going to go through this story is that every one of us is called by God. It's not just Jonah. Jonah didn't get the only call, of, call from God. We are all called by God. Every one of us is called by God. Look at Jonah chapter 1 in the first, verse, first two verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up 
before me. So Jonah, again, was given a very specific call. Go to these people. Their evil has come up before me, and they need to be warned that they need to repent because judgment is coming. All of us have been given a call by God. And at the basic level, at the basic level, what is it to obey? It's to do what God wants you to do. It's to do what God tells you to do. And Jonah didn't want to do it. So at a basic level, Jonah did not want to obey the Lord. And that's what disobedience is. Disobedience to God's call is simply not doing what God wants you to do. When somebody tells you, here's what I want you to do, and they're in a position of authority, and they say, I want you to do this, and I want you to do it this way, and I want you to say this, specific message, specific call, and we don't obey, we don't do it, that's what, we don't want to do it, and we don't follow through, that is disobedience. To do what you're told to do is obedience. To not do it is disobedience. And Jonah demonstrates that for us very clearly. God gives him a call, and he doesn't want to obey. And so I think some of us here, we think, well, well, I would obey the Lord. I would listen. I'm not like Jonah. I think, think, uh, I think God's word tells us opposite of that. This is what it says in Isaiah 53, 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to what? His own way. That's what God's word says about Jonah. That's what God's word says about me. We've all, all we like sheep. All of us, we've turned away, and all of us have gone our own way. We don't want to obey. All of us are called by God. That's the first lesson we see here. We are all called by God to do something, to obey him. But all of us, we want to go our own way. It's what Isaiah 53 says. Judges 17 says this. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right, what? In his own eyes. We like to do what we want to do, when we do it, how we want to do it, when we want to do it. We're still the same. When we're out from under authority, we want to, we want to move out from under authority. We want to do what we want to do. That's what scripture tells us. Romans 1 shows us that. Have you ever studied Romans 1? I encourage you, go read through Romans 1. You see that God describes through the apostle Paul clearly who we are as humanity apart from Christ. We want to go our own way apart from his grace we want to rebel against his ways against his commands against his word we want to rebel and we want to become a god unto ourselves we want we don't want to answer to authority we are rebellious by nature anybody have kids here today they're rebellious by nature you don't have to teach them lincoln as precious as he is right now he's our our newest uh, natural born re- rebellion child he's our newest uh, experiment here and he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't want to do what we don't want. He, he doesn't want to do what we want him to do. It's, it's just inbred in us because of our sinful nature. Romans 3 says this, For we have all sinned. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we are like Jonah. Just as he didn't want to obey God, so are we. So what are, what are some basic categories? And here's what I want to do within this first lesson, this reality that we're all called by God. We all have a calling by God that we need to obey, what are kind of some basic things that we're called to obey? And I really kind of broke it down to three categories of, 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 of kind of general picture of what we are called to by God. The first one is this. We have the call of salvation. The call of salvation. Listen to Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. 
Here's the gospel. What's, what's the gospel? Jesus gives it to us. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. It means it's, it's present. It's here. And what do we have to do? What's the call of salvation? Repent and believe in the gospel. So that's the general call that we all have. Every person that has ever walked the planet or will ever walk the planet is called by God to repent and believe in the gospel. To repent, turn from their old ways, turn from their sin, and embrace Christ as their Savior. That's a general call of salvation. We all have a call on our life to submit to the gospel. Are you running from that call here today? Are you, are you, are you like Jonah? Are you running from the call of salvation? Is God, is God on you like the hound of heaven? Is he, is he on you? Is he on your heels and he's pulling you? He's pursuing you? Have you heard the gospel? Is your heart being pricked? But are you running today like Jonah ran from God's call? I, I, I tell you here today, you can answer that call today. You don't have to run from that call any longer. So that's a general call of salvation. Another general call is the call of God's word. So the call of salvation, and then secondly, the call of God's word. What does that mean, the call of God's word? It means that the word of God is put here by God to order our life. So we answer the call of salvation, and then we submit to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture orders our life. Orders the decisions we make. Orders how we live. The word of God tells me as a husband and you that are husbands here today. The word of God tells me, orders my life and tells me how I'm to treat her. How am I to to respond to my wife? How am I to respond as a husband? The the word of God orders and orders my life and tells me how, what what, what type of employee am I to be? What type of employer am I to be? How How am I to live? How should I walk in my everyday life? That's what the word of God does. It's a general call. Listen to Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. The word of God orders our life. It gives us wisdom. The precepts of the Lord are right. It rejoices our heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure. It opens our eyes to see what is true. It enlightens our eyes. The fear of the Lord, which is another way to describe God's word, is clean. It endures forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, by the word of God, is your servant warned. And when we order our life, when we keep the word of God, we obey God's word, what, what, what happens? There is great reward. There's great benefit. We benefit. Don't you, do, do you, who has been living by God's word for many years here today? Isn't there great reward in your life from obeying God's word? So that's the second call. We are all called by God to submit to salvation. Make a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And when you choose Christ, then you come under the submission of God's word and you order your life by God's word. We're called to order our lives according to the truths and precepts of the word of God. Simply put, the word of God is the will of God. The word of God is the will of God of God. There's a song that I don't know if many of you here today have heard this song. And I like to talk about songs in my sermons. It's a song written or, or performed, I don't know if you call it sung, but it's performed by Social Club Misfits. Who knows who Social Club Misfits is? <laughs> who, here under, who here over the age of 40 knows who Social Club Misfits is? 
Got a couple. It's a Christian um, hip-hop rap group called Social Club Misfits. And they have a line in, 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 in a song. And so, yes, you can't really understand a lot of it. But so, so my, my kids downloaded this song. And so I, I, I listen to rap music, Christian rap music, and, uh, with my kids and sometimes by myself. And, uh, and I love this line. And when, and when my wife and I heard this line, it's my wife's favorite line in, in the song. And I love it too. Listen to this. It says, don't tell me God is silent when your Bible is closed. Don't tell me God is silent when your Bible is closed. If you're here today, you say, God, why don't you speak to me? God, I want to hear your voice. I need direction. I need to be ordered in my life. God, you're silent. Don't tell me God is silent if your Bible's closed. God has spoken most clearly in our life. And I'm just telling you, if you will order your life by the word of God, you have a lot of answers to the questions you're looking for. What's the third way in which we're, we're, we are called by God? Well, it's the call that is specific to our life. So we have the call of salvation. We have the call to order our life to the, under the authority of God's word. And then, now we have the specific call to, that, that is to our life. And that may look like this. That's the spouse that we're to marry. That's the job we're to have. The church we're to attend. The ministry that we're called to. And so there, there are very specific things that God has called us to. We're not all called to do the same thing. Not all of you are called to be a pastor. And just because you're not called to be a pastor or a missionary or, or in vocational ministry doesn't mean that your call is less than my call. It's just a different call. We're all called by God in general terms, but we're all called by God in specific ways. And wherever God has you is where God has called you. Wherever God has the job you're on is what God has called you to. That is the specific calling. And you say, well, I don't like the job. Take it up with God. It's where he's called you. It's where he's called you. The specific call. And look, and we have to learn that lesson. It's hard at times. There's been jobs I've had where I didn't want to be on that job. And I thought, God, this can't be what you have for me. And I knew that one day I'd be a pastor one day. And they got to call me to preach God's word to God's people and to shepherd and love God's people. But I was on a job that I really didn't like. And I was on it for nine years. And I remember getting frustrated. But God had to remind me, no, son, this is, where, this is my call for your life. Obey the call. This is the specific call. So sometimes we think, this is, how, this is how we live. We think that the specific call of God for our life is somewhere out there and we're trying to get there. No, you're in it. You're in it. And what keeps you at peace and what helps you in your life is if you will answer that second call. Order your life by the word of God. Wherever he has you. Order your life by the word of God. And if you will be faithful where God has placed you, yeah, maybe he's given you desires for things different than what you're doing now. That's his business. It's not your call. It's his call. He gives the calls. It's his call. So if you will order your life by the word of God in the specific places he's called you, he'll, 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 open, the, he'll open the opportunities in his timing. So God's calling us to obey him. To obey the call of salvation, to order our lives by the truths of Scripture, and to submit to the plan He's placed in front of us. We're all called by God. Never, this is what pastor and theologian Kent Hughes says, never are we greater. Never are we greater. Never do we know greater joy. And never are we more successful than, we are, than when we are obedient to God's will. 
Never are we greater, never do we know greater joy, and never are we more successful than when we are obedient to God's will. We're no different than Jonah. And Jonah was no different than us. We are all called by God to obey him, to obey the call of God. Are you running from that call in any of these areas? Are you running from the call of God? Are you disobeying what God has clearly revealed to you? Are you in disobedience right now? What God has clearly revealed to you in his word. What he's clearly placed in front of you. Are you disobedient to God's call on your life? If you currently are, you need to learn from the life of Jonah. Because here's the second thought. We're all called by God. And if we are running, here's what we need to know. Point two, running from God's call will cost you. Let's keep reading the story and see how it cost Jonah. Running from God's call will cost you, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into the boat to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Just a little clue there. You can never run from God's presence. He's quite everywhere. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. The Lord did that. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. It was such a strong storm, the ship was threatening to implode. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Here's what, here's what I want to tell you. Look at Jonah. He has a, a specific call. Go to Nineveh. Preach to these people that you don't like. These evil, murderous people. These Assyrians. These Ninevites. That don't, don't, don't like God. Don't serve the one true God. They have, they have bloodthirsty hearts. Go preach to them. Look at Jonah. He does not want to go. He, he runs. He immediately runs from the call. And he gets on a boat. He pays a fare to get on a boat to go to Tarshish. And I I just want to show you a map here. This is a map. So in between Joppa, which is where he boarded the the ship, and Nineveh, if you go northeast, was was where Jonah was. 50 miles north of Joppa is where Jonah was. And so from where he was to Nineveh was 500 miles. Okay, by foot, 500 miles from where he was to get to Nineveh, going northeast, was his journey. But look at where he was headed. You think he wanted to get far away from God's call? I mean, look at Jonah. He says, he says God, I don't, want to, I don't want to obey you. I don't want to go to those people. I don't want to answer that call. And I am willing to get into a boat. And to go 2,500 miles. That's, that's the tip of Spain right there. I'm willing to go as far away, as far west as I possibly can. He was called to go east. But he said, I'm getting on Highway 90 and I'm headed west. <laughs> 2,500 miles by boat to get to Tarshish. Look at him. Running from God's call. Running from God's call is going to cost you. Did you notice? He had to pay a ticket. It ain't cheap. 
right? It's, it's going to cost you something. He had to pay a fare to get on a boat. He was willing to spend his money and say, God, I'm willing to waste my money to go 2,500 miles away from your call. That's how much I don't want to obey you. That's how much I don't want to go preach repentance to, to, to those people, to those evil people. Warren, Warren Wearsby, it's a pastor, theologian. He says this, down to Joppa, down into the ship, down into the sea, down into the great fish, which we'll see in a, in a little bit. Disobedience always leads downward. Down to Joppa, down into the ship, down into the sea, and down into the great fish. Disobedience will always lead downward. He's running. He's headed down. He's paying a fare. Running from God's call will always cost you. And what happens because he's running from God's call? God says, you're going to run from me, buddy? I'm not going to make it easy on you. I'm going to remove my blessings from you, and actually I'm going to bring a tempest onto the sea to where your journey is not easy. There will always be consequences to obeying God. This is a very clear lesson we see through the life of Jonah and his running from God's call. It's going to cost us. There's always going to be consequences. Galatians 6 says this, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit reap eternal life. Do not be deceived here today. There are consequences to running from God and His call. When you make bad decisions and you disobey, there are consequences for your life. There are choices that that you can make that are in disobedience to God and you open yourself up to earthly consequences. They're going to come and, and even... And even not just earthly consequences, but even God can bring consequences onto your life. We see it right here in, in Jonah. Do you remember the story of Samuel? I think it's such a clear picture of disobedience. Do you remember the prophet Samuel talked to Saul, King Saul, and said, Saul, I want you to go and attack the Amalekites. I want you to kill all of them, even the king, everyone. Don't even spare the animals. And, and what did Saul do? He listened to the, to the people of Israel, and they said, save the best of the stuff and of all the goods and the animals so we can make a sacrifice to God. And, and then Saul saved the king. He spared the king. And listen, so Samuel comes, and listen to what Samuel says to Saul. Why then, this is First Samuel 15, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of, of the Lord? Disobedience is evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Isn't that what happens? We, we deceive ourselves, don't we? When we've disobeyed, we can be deceived and think, well, hey, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people, and isn't that what we do when we justify ourselves? We like to pass the buck. It was the people. But the people took the, of the spoil, sheep and oxen. The best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. What does that mean? You can do all of your spiritual service for the Lord. You can come to church. You can read your Bible. You can be in a D group, be in a life group, do all of these things. But God would rather you obey what he's already revealed to you than to try to prove to him that, 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 that you're this good Christian in all these other ways. Obedience is better than sacrifice. 
If you're walking in disobedience, it is better to obey God in the areas that you're disobeying him than to try to be, be right in all these other areas, to try to prove your love to God. No, obey God. Obedience is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. King Saul experienced some very severe consequences for his rebellion from God. But consequences aren't always that, that, you know, it's not just the severe consequences that we experience. God will bring those in in, in our life. But but what about when we walk in disobedience? There's the the loss of our peace. Have you been there? There's a loss of a of a clean conscience. Is your conscience violated right now? Are you at ease in your conscience? If you're not at ease in your conscience, maybe it's because you've not been walking in obedience in every area God's called you to walk in obedience. We lose our peace, our joy, our contentment, a clean conscience. When I think about a clean conscience and a guilty conscience, I think of Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I love the word picture here. The wicked flee when no one's even chasing them. Think about that. They, have a, they live with the, the, the wicked, they live with the guilty conscience, and they're doing this. They're shifty. You see by they're just always shifty? <laughs> it's because they're, they're looking out. Who's going to catch me? Why? Because they've done something they shouldn't be doing. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are what? They're bold as a lion because they're right before the Lord. They have a clean conscience. They've repented for their mistakes. They've turned from their disobedience. And look, we will always struggle with this in our life. We're going to go through seasons where we struggle with disobedience. And when we do disobey, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that we have an advocate with the Father that, that, that we can repent and that he will cleanse and forgive us. And so we can, we can come quickly and repent and we can live with a clean conscience. We don't have to be shifty like the wicked in Proverbs 28. Running from God's call. We're all called, but running from God's call will, will, will cost us. But not just us. This is the third point. Running from God's call will impact those around us. Will impact those around you. So we're all called by God to obey him in many different ways. And when we run from the call of God, it costs us. It impacts us. There are consequences. And thirdly, it's not just us. Not just our life that is impacted. Look at what it says here. And they said to one another, come. Back to Jonah here. Let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. They rolled the dice. This is a pagan way of trying to see what, what the truth is. And God oversaw the dice there and made sure that the dice fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I love his answer. It's kind of a hypocritical answer here. He says, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Really, Jonah? You fear the Lord? I'm not sure about that one. Right? I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to them, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He said, I'm running from God. I I fear the Lord, but I'm running from him. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. 
He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me and my rebellion and my running. I know it is because of my choices that this great tempest has come upon you. Look at Jonah. He's decided he's not going to obey God's word. He, he decides that he is not going to obey God's word. He decides that he is going to disobey. He decides it's my choice. I'm going to run. I'm not going to obey. And look at him. He buys a ticket, gets on a boat with a bunch of sailors who didn't even know him. He was, he, he's like he snuck in there. He got in. They, they took the money. He went down and fell asleep. And when, it, when the storm comes, they go and get him. And they say, hey, what's going on here? They don't even know him. They had to ask him, who are you? Who are your people? Where do you come from? So think about it. These people didn't even know him. And his disobedience was about to cost them their life. You remember what we read earlier? It said that the storm was so strong that the boat was about to implode. It was about to come apart. That's how heavy the storm was. Our running from God doesn't just cost us. But it has the potential to cost those that are around us. And here, here's some common thoughts that we have here today in, 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 in our culture. My decisions aren't hurting anyone but me. What I do with my life is my business. My decisions. Me. My life. What I do with my life is my business. What a, what, what a deception that type of thinking is. And this is a picture of our society today. We are pushed towards isolation in so many ways. Live for yourself. Live how you want to live. Obey your own desires. Nobody can tell you what to do. Live for yourself, for your dreams. Make the decisions that you want to make. Don't, don't align yourself to standards of objective morality. Do what you want to do. Don't live by someone else's rules. Be who you want to be. Be the best person that you can be. And as a result, we are raising a group of kids, of young people that think that they can do what they want to do, live how they want to live, and, and adults that are growing up in that type of culture who think we can make decisions however we, we want to make them, and it doesn't impact anybody because it's not their business. It's just my life. It's such a deception. We think we can live on an island and that our choices will only impact us or we think we live on an island and that our choices, our bad choices will only impact us and we know that's not true, right? There's always a ripple effect. There's always an effect of our choices that touch somebody else. And I know this is a simple visual illustration, but it's so true. So just imagine that this jar this container of water represents all of your life and everything it encompasses all of your life and 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 imagine that you're deceived and you think that the choices of my of my life even the smallest disobedience to god doesn't doesn't matter because it's just going to affect me you know it really doesn't matter i'm just going to take just just a little small decision i mean look it's just my choice it's just what I think. It's nobody else's business. I'm just following the desires of my heart. Just small choices. I'm not going to obey God's word. I'm not going to submit to my parents. 
not going to listen to my teachers. Just small choices. You know, in, in, in about, they, they filled it up really full. We probably should not have filled it up that full. But in, in, in about a minute here, as I'm going through my sermon, you're going to see, even with just these small three drops, just small choices, it, it's going to fill up that whole container. It's going to totally change, even without me stirring it. Even without me stirring, stirring it, we tested it. Even without me stirring it. Life has a way of stirring things around, though, doesn't it? You know, some of us think, there's some people here today think that there are some bad decisions that are, are worse than others. You know, like, like using kitchen bouquet. <laughs> Put some kitchen bouquet in here. Some, some, some people think this is a sin to use kitchen bouquet. I use kitchen bouquet, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> but this has a nice dark brown color. Just small decisions. We can't deceive ourselves into thinking that it, it doesn't matter, that our choices don't make impact. They impact those that are around us. Listen to Galatians 5. This is Paul speaking to the Christians in Galatia. And they were being told that they had to live according to the old covenant rules of Judaism. They had to be, the men had to be circumcised in their flesh. And listen to what the Apostle Paul tells these Jewish Christians. He says, you ran well. You've been running well. You've been, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Listen to the principle here. A little leaven, what does it do? It leavens the whole lump. And I know right now, if I went and sat down with each family here, and we had lunch today, and we went down and I, I sat with you and talked to you and heard your story, you would tell me lots of stories about people in your life that have made decisions, bad, bad decisions, decisions of disobedience from God's word and his ways, and you would say, man, what great impact. You, you would recount for me pain after pain after pain of consequences. And that is the truth. And, and, and we, we like to live in denial. If you're here today, you're living in denial. If you think that you're living on an island unto yourself. And you're living in denial and, and, and in deception. If you think that it doesn't impact anybody else. And that nobody else cares about me. It doesn't really matter at all. It matters. It impacts people's life. The way in which we live. Even so much more as believers in Jesus Christ. This is a picture of our society. We're pushed towards isolation. But we need to be reminded when we run from God's call, it doesn't just cost us, but it costs those around us. Lastly, here's the last lesson we learn here. And here's the good news. You ready for some good news? This is a heavy message, but here's the good news. The good news of the story of Jonah is this, is that God in his love, will go to extreme measures to get our attention. Isn't that good? Don't, 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 don't shout too soon. Because <laughs> you may not want the way in which he's going to get your attention. And Jonah didn't like it either. Jonah wouldn't have chosen this route. Listen to the story. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. What did Jonah tell them? Jonah said, throw me overboard. And the men, they said, no, we're going to get through this storm. They didn't want to do it. Listen to what they say. They rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. 
And lay not on us innocent blood. What are they saying here? They're saying that they know that if they threw Jonah overboard, that he's going to die. In the middle of the sea, he's going to die. He's not going to make it. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Verse 17, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God, in his love, will go to extreme measures to get our attention. And next week, we're going to look at chapter 2, and we're going to preach a message called, called Repentance and Second Chances. Repentance and Second Chances. And we're going to look at Jonah's repentance. God got a hold of him. God was looking for his attention, looking to wake him up. He sent the storm. He rocked the boat. The men threw him overboard. He's drowning in the sea. And by God's grace, by his love, God could have left him in the sea, but what did God do? By a miracle. It's miraculous all the, all the way around. A great fish swallowed him, and he survived in the great fish for three days and three nights. It's a miracle all the way around. But even being swallowed by the great fish, as horrible as that was, it was God's grace. It was a grace in Jonah's life. It was God's love. God, in his love, will go to extreme measures to go after us when we're running from him. Because he loves us. He wants to rescue us from the consequences of our choices. No matter how far you run, no matter how hard you try to ignore God, he knows how to get your attention. He loves us enough to wake us from our slumber. He loves us enough to not leave us to ourselves and the consequences of our choices. So I sent Jesus to the cross. The overarching message of all of Jonah is the cross, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard the phrase, maybe... Maybe you said this to your kids, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Sometimes, sometimes you think, God, God must be saying that to me, because this hurts right now. You know, it really, really hurts us a lot, right? I, I, I do believe it hurts God's heart when he has to discipline us. I want to read something to you. This is Hebrews chapter 12. This is about discipline, how God disciplines us as his sons and daughters. Listen to this, Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines, rocks the boat, throws you overboard, causes the fish to swallow you, The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? What he's saying there is, if you belong to God, you will be disciplined. Why? Because we will disobey. We're just like our kids. We get mad at our kids and we want them to obey, we, and, and, but we forget we're just like our disobedient children. I'm just like Lincoln. I disobey just like him, but I do it in dignified ways. <laughs> and God will be faithful to discipline me, to chastise me. Why? Because I'm his son. Parents shouldn't discipline someone, other kids that don't belong to you, right? Unless... Their parents put those kids under your authority, like 
Mr. Jimmy and teachers and those that are in authority, but I'm not going to go up to your kids and discipline them and spank them. They're not my kids. You would get mad at me, wouldn't you? But we discipline our own. Besides this, verse 9, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. That is so hard to remember in the middle of difficult discipline from the Lord. He does it for our good. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When God disciplines us, it is a sign that we belong to him. It is a sign that we are part of his family. That's what John 1 says, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right. How do you give, how, how are you given the right to be a child of God? Not everyone's given the right to be a child of God. We're not all children of God. I know that there's a general term out there. Everybody's a child of God. No, we're all made in his image. After his likeness, that's what Genesis says. But there's a special reservation for the title child of God given for certain people who do what? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Before you were a child of God, you were a child of wrath the Bible says. But you become a child of God when you believe in the name of Jesus Christ and you receive him. And then you get the pleasure of being trained and disciplined by him. God allows consequences in our life as a means of his grace to call us back to him. God allows consequences. Pain in consequences is a means of God's grace to call call us back to him. It's kind of like the idea of of pain with with our physical body. How many of you told your kids not to touch the hot stove? Because it's going to what? It's going to burn them. Can you imagine if we didn't have the pain mechanism on our fingers and we just kept touching the hot stove? There's no consequence. There's no pain. Pain is a way, is a mechanism. It's a megaphone that shouts to us, oh, wait a minute, I don't like that. And that's what God does. That's, a, that's why we have a conscience. There's a pain of our conscience when we violate God's word and his ways. Our conscience is violated. We go through pain. And God disciplines us and chastises us. And we repent. It's a way for him to draw us back to him. C.S. Lewis says this about pain. He says, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. Speaks in our consciences. But shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Don't run from the discipline of the Lord. Surrender to it here today. Surrender to it. Yield to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in your life. God's call and our obedience. Learn from the lesson of Jonah's life. Let us learn from Jonah. You can't outrun God. The more you run, the more opportunity you get for the enemy to take advantage of your disobedience. So what has God called you to today? What were those general calls of of obedience? Is he calling you to to, to salvation today? Have you been running? Surrender today. Say yes today. Surrender to Christ. He loves you. He loves you so much that he died on the cross for you. Say yes. Obey the call of God. 
Are you submitted to the authority of God's word? Is God's, has God's word been pressed on your heart in a specific way in your life and you're ignoring God's word? Obey God's word today. Order your life by God's word. And have you been specifically called in an area and you know that you're called to do this, to take that job, to go there, to, to go to that mission field, to go to that country, to talk to that person, to preach the gospel to that family, to go across the street to that neighbor. Whatever the specific call is, are you running from the call or are you obeying? Whatever the call is, say yes today. Amen? Amen. Why not you stand to your feet with me? Say yes to the call. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give a special opportunity to those who are running from the call of salvation here today. No one looking around. This is between you and the Lord. You've been running from the call of salvation here today. You've been running hard. And the Lord is after you. He's on your tail. He's on your, he's, he's on your tail. He's calling after you. That's you here today. And you know in the heart, in your heart of hearts today that that is you. You've never surrendered to Christ. Just as a sign of surrender, just lift your hand up. Acknowledge, acknowledge, yes, thank you. Anyone else? Acknowledge, yes. Anyone else? That you want to surrender to Christ today. You're tired of running. Tired of drinking from empty wells. Anybody else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. See those hands. God sees those hands. God sees your heart. It's not about your hands. It's It's about the connection between your heart and your hand. It's your heart that makes you surrender to Christ. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray a prayer. And it's just a general prayer. And if you raise your hand or whether you didn't raise your hand and you want to identify with this prayer that I'm going to pray and you want to surrender to Christ today, connect with this prayer. Pray this prayer in your heart with me. Heavenly Father, I surrender to you today. I surrender to your son, Jesus. I believe that he was the son of God. And that he died on the cross for my sins. That he was raised on the third day. And that he did it for me. I repent of my sins. I turn my back on the world and on my ways. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to be a new creation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Lord, we come before you here this morning. And Lord, all the different areas, Lord, that that, that we as believers have been running. God, I pray that you would press it on our heart. That we quit running. That we would surrender to you. God, whatever it is, we want to say yes. We want to say yes to you. We want to obey you. Because we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you. You are dismissed.